Dr. Shu is referring her patients. That's a referral, right? Am I conjugating that verb properly? Word crimes? And I need to get over that because I really think, honestly, among other things, like my bald head, my crippling lack of talent, I think that might be a really a major issue. I think that might be a really a major issue. Hey, this is a check of the uh, recording levels. Is Dan Class? I'm under my garage, and I'm in the fly path, Los Angeles. Uh, all right, let's just keep recording. Hey, it's welcome to the Bitterest Pill Podcast. My name is Dan Class, and I uh, record these podcasts uh, in, in a box in my garage under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. Today is uh, November 5th, 20, I almost said 2020. Do we prefer, have we decided on that? Hi. It's November 5th, 2014, which means uh, I have concluded 10 years of podcasting. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Remain seated. Okay, so I'm rubbing my eyes. So here's... This is day three of fighting migraine. I want to give you the update. For those of you who have never listened to the show, and I hope uh, there's someone, um, you know, I come in my garage and I talk for about an hour about my life, about the tiny little minutia that drives me crazy in my life. So, So let's begin. This is day three of migraines. Now, the good news is when I say migraines, I really don't mean migraines. I mean pre what I'm going to refer to as pre-migraine symptoms. And what pre-migraine, for those of you that have never had a migraine, you don't know what I'm talking about. And for those of you that have had a migraine, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that dreaded feeling of like, oh my God, pretty soon any amount of light is going to be thunderous hell through my brain. So usually, though, if I caffeinate properly, then I'm fine. You know what I mean? There's a certain amount of caffeine that will give me a migraine, and then there's another certain amount of caffeine that will take the migraine away. You never know which is which. You never know if the migraine's going to stave it off or going to really just ramp it up. You don't know what's happening. All I know is that caffeine is involved. And I keep telling myself that, myself that I'm not going to have so much caffeine But then when you start to try to kick the caffeine, guess what you get? Migraine headache. So that's why I might sound slightly... It's a weird phenomenon. When I come in here and I'm going to record the show and I get myself a little too excited with a Diet Coke or whatever, uh, it makes me sound more drunk. Which is weird. So yeah, 10 years of podcasting. 10 years yesterday. November 4th, uh, 24, 2004. What did, we, what did we used to call that back in the noughties? <laughs> back in the noughts. What did we even call that? We called it 2004. We didn't call it 2004. So why are you insisting that I call it 2014 now? It's not fair. So last night, though, we got together. Some of us got together to, uh, you know, LA podcasters got together which was very enlightening. We went to the farmer's market and we met there. That's where we used to always meet. Lance Anderson, you know, the, 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 
the 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 oh god i there are words that you use they mean things you string them together that's how you communicate your thoughts we've created this thing over millions of years and by millions i mean well maybe hundreds of years this spoken language is it hundreds or thousands i have no concept of numbers or time do you understand i'll recognize your face I might remember your name. I number no. I don't know. Was it thousands of years or millions? Have we had language for millions of years? If so, why do people still massacre it? Lance Anderson was the create creator of the LA podcasters. It's kind of amazing that I sometimes try to get work as a voiceover artist. I can't even speak. <laughs> so. We all met at the farmer's market, and um, I was there. Lance Anderson was there. Kush, legendary Kush, legendary Lance Anderson. Two of the free Trace Hefes. Two of the three. Did I say three or free? I'm stoned. Three, I don't do drugs. That was a joke. I'm not a, an addict. We're get, All the history of podcasting is, is coming, is barfing up at once. So... Walter and Fonz were there from the former Tres Hefes podcast, now known, I think, as just Walter and Fonz or Fonz and Walter. Did I say Grant Bachoco was there? From the Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd? Is it Dr. Interloper? Mr. Interloper? Interloper on Vine? I don't know, man. He's up to so many things. He's a big puppeteer now. So we hung out. There was another guy there, Joseph who's uh, starting a new podcasting newsletter, and then Esprit. Esprit, the female visitor to our little rendezvous, who brought like a cleansing breeze off of the ocean, brought in new energy and vitality to what was uh, like a depressing AA meeting until she arrived, which was really good. Thank the dear Lord or Darwin or Sting or whoever, whoever you pray to, my friend, thank that person. I don't know, William Shatner, maybe? I have no idea. Thank William Shatner that Esprit arrived. Because according to young, energetic, enthusiastic Esprit, podcasting is on some sort of uh, uptick again. <laughs> Who would know by this program? Not me. <laughs> Anyways, great to see everybody. It was great to meet uh, Joseph and Esprit because they kind of... You know, after 10 years, it's easy to really lose all steam, but then you have meet a couple of new people. Now, meanwhile, Esprit's got these meetups going on with 25 people showing up. They're all having cocktails someone, somewhere fashionable. That's how it should be done. You all get t-shirts printed up and have mixed drinks. So, you know, who knows? But here I am. I'm back in the garage. We're celebrating 10 years. And by celebrating, I mean we're not. Because you know what I do? And, and this is the guilt trip that I'm going to lay on you. I told you weeks ago that this anniversary was coming up. And I know I'm the guy that always says, oh, no, don't throw me a birthday party. Don't do this. But I did say, hey, listen, if you want to wish me a ha you know, a anniversary thing, you know, say, drop me a, a, an MP3 or an email. What would I get? Two? Two? You know why? Because when only four people listen, 50% return on investment, that's not bad. And Esprit's not really four. It's 12. So, what usually happens then on the show is now I will uh, attempt to tell two or three anecdotal 
stories, and we're using story in quotes. Because honestly, a story usually has a beginning and a middle and an end, and sometimes these things I say do, but most of the time it's, it's complaining, and then at the end, why I run out of time or something, I have to go get one of my kids, then what I do is I do this little trick with my voice that makes you think there's actually been a point to what I'm saying, when in actual fact, I've just been treading water for 60 minutes. So there we go. That is my podcasting seminar for you. Dan Class teaches you how to be a podcasting storyteller. Around the 58-minute mark, start to talk more slowly and bring up the music and then act like you've said something poignant. There you go. Please give me $200. So I just got off the phone with a doctor's office. Now, I don't know what level of stupidity is required to work at a doctor's office when you're not the doctor. Because doctors obviously have to be smart. Right? That's how, you, that's how you're encouraged to go to medical school, is you're smart. Or else, maybe not. I don't know. My assumption, not being a doctor, never having been to medical school, is that if you end up being a medical doctor, that you're somewhat bright and smart. My doctor is smart. My kid's pediatrician is smart. My friends from high school and college who are now doctors are all smart, 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 smart. Right? Dr. Basil, Dr. Jones, beautiful, intelligent, smart doctor, women, friends, our pediatrician. You know, and you know, I always talk about Dr. Ronald Sue. If you ever, if you, do you live in Los Angeles? Do you need a cool doctor, internist? Kind of seems like a character from a James Bond movie. Kind of seems like a spy, like a, a secret agent of some sort of Asian descent, probably Japanese descent, but an American secret agent. That's what he seems like. That's Dr. Ronald Sue. Now, I just called the doctor's office. Now, this doctor is a podiatrist. I'm having some headphone trouble, so I have to... I, mean, I guess these are my son's headphones. I didn't realize. Okay. My daughter, Tallulah, okay, is a dancer. Which means she spends a lot of time dancing, stretching, stretching, dancing, spinning, and dancing, and stretching, and, and dancing. Okay? Which takes its toll on her little feet. And so she, like her father, unfortunately, right? Okay, she's been under the care of a podiatrist. Now, a lot of times on the show, and by a lot of times I mean most all the time, except for Dr. Ronald Sue, because I will never say anything bad about Dr. Ronald Sue. Usually on the show, when I talk about someone, I make up a fake name for them. Okay? Like, for instance, I couldn't record earlier today because the guy that mows the lawn was here. Okay? Now, on this program, I call him Joe Moenblow. And I claim that that's his last name, Moanblow. Now, the truth is, it's not his last name. Okay? But to me, calling him Joe Moanblow, that's funny. Because that's what he does. He mows and he blows. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I swear to you, this is true. And maybe I've already told you this before. It's been 10 years. The mind is going. I swear this is the truth. Joe Moanblow, his real name, the guy that cuts our lawn, Joe Gardner. Okay, I'm not Joe. I'm not Joe. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Joe Moanblow's real name? I swear to you. I swear to William Shatner. 
Joe Gardner. Okay. So my daughter had a, a podiatrist. Now, not mine. Mine's too far away. We needed someone closer and that had worked with dancers. And mine apparently had, doesn't work with dancers. Okay, fine. So we, get, we find her her own podiatrist. And I am not joking. Her name is Dr. Shu. My life is a sitcom. I, I am not joking. Okay, I'm not. Ma- this is not for the show. In all seriousness, my daughter's now former podiatrist, and that's the point of the story, Doctor Shu. So she used to go to. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm uncomfortable. I'm sorry. So she used to go to Doctor Shu, but Doctor Shu was from the East Coast and apparently decided that she would go back there. So now Dr. Shu is no longer my daughter's podiatrist. But Dr. Shu referred all her patients to Dr. Chow, who is another woman podiatrist doctor, but who unfortunately is further south of here, which is slightly inconvenient, but whatever. Listen, my, my daughter needs these prescription inserts for her shoes uh, to make sure her arch is all archy. You know what I mean? You have to maintain an arch, okay? And she wasn't maintaining her arch. And so she has an arch thingy in her shoes. And she needs to keep them in her tap shoes and she needs to keep them in her shoe shoes, whatever she needs them. And that's fine. But she's growing. They're getting too small. We need to go to Dr. Chow. I got to keep this straight. Okay. So I called Dr. Chow's office to make an appointment. And I'm going to try to get through reenacting for you this conversation that I had with Dr. Chu or Chow or whatever's office without going insane from the mere thought of it. Again, Dr. Shu has recommended all her, what do you call it? Refer, referred all her patients apparently to Dr. Chow. So I called Dr. Chow's office and the lady picks up the phone and she says, hello, this is Dr. Chow's office. And I say, and I listen again, I speak what I would consider, except now when I know I'm a little excited about recording. We don't speak that much. I get a little amped up, and plus I'm on Diet Coke. And I, I took, well, I took a migraine pill and Diet Coke. I know I'm an addict. I know, Virginia, you were right. I admit I'm a little hopped up on caffeine right now. It was before I took the migraine pill and before I had the Diet Coke. So I was very level, right? And I pride myself in speaking what I would consider Midwestern newscaster English. Okay? When I'm on the phone, I try to speak as clearly as I can. So, again, I am trying to get all the burden of any miscommunication off of myself. Okay? Although I'm sure that I'm exaggerating. So I say, hello, um, I, uh, my daughter, and I, you know, again, I got to put it all out there. Hello. My daughter was a patient of Dr. Shoes, and uh, she's been referred to Dr. Chow, uh, and I'd like to make an appointment. And the lady says, you'd like to make an appointment? And I say, yes. And she says, well, do you have a referral? Ha- has your daughter ever been here before? And I say, no, she hasn't been here before. She's been referred by Dr. Shu. And the lady says, does she have a referral? And I say, because now, again, didn't go to medical school, but I do have a basic grasp of English. I say, well, does she (laughs) need a referral because she used to go to Dr. Shu? And she says, well, she would need a referral from like her general 
practitioner, from her normal doctor, before she could come here. And I say, well, why? She used to go to Dr. Shu. She has been seeing another podiatrist for like a year and a half. Why would we go back to her pediatrician for the pediatrician? So you're telling me I have to go to her pediatrician to get a referral from the pediatrician who doesn't know Dr. Chow to say that the pediatrician thinks she needs to see a podiatrist when she has in fact been under the care of a podiatrist to whom she has been with whom, by whom, do you understand? The whom, the whom for which you, the referral and the call, I'm calling referral. And she just keeps saying that we need a referral. And I keep saying, okay, okay, so, okay, I'm going to stop being argumentative. And I'm just going to say simple things like, okay, so, even though she used to see Dr. Shu, and Dr. Shu is referring her, Dr. Shu, the pedi, uh, the, the, podiatrist, the foot doctor, doctor, is referring, because referral isn't the word, well, it's referring, it's the same thing, isn't it referral and referring and referring, aren't we doing, what, why, what are we talking about? So then eventually she says this, two things, number one, well, I didn't even know that Dr. Shu was referring her patients here. So I say, well, how could you not? What do you mean? We're like Dr. Shu has been back in New England for at least six months that I know of. None of her patients. We used to have to wait 40 minutes to get in to see Dr. Shu. Dr. Shu was a busy woman. And you mean to tell me that none of those patients in six months have called and said, hey, can we come over and have Dr. Chow look at our feet? None of those people have ever done that. So what are you implying that then she just sort of was like, hey, listen, I'm leaving. I'm moving back to New Hampshire. Tell my patients, I don't know, to call Dr. Chow. So she puts me on hold because I'm being apparently rather insistent the Dr. Shu referred to Chow, right? So then she comes back and then she says, well, yes, I have confirmed. Thank you. Really? Good. Because I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a hallucinating maniac and I just call random doctor's offices and try to bullshit them into seeing my daughter based on a referral from an imaginary podiatrist to all call, I don't know, Dr. Foot, Dr. Toe, Dr. Shu. Then she, so then we get back into the referral thing. So she seems to have calmed down about that. But then she says, well, your daughter, does she, is she with a PPO? And I, I think I know what PPO means, but I don't understand the line of questioning. So I say, well, what do you mean? Is she with a PPO? Well, for the referral, is she with a PPO or is she with an HMO? And I say, Oh, she, uh, a PPO. She we're on uh, Blue Cross or whatever it is. Blue Cross Blue Shield. She's with Blue Shield, Screen Actors Guild, Insurance Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, or any of these things. 
uh, is this Dr. Chow's office? So she says, oh, well, if you're not with an HMO, then you don't need a referral. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we've been on the phone for 20 minutes arguing about the fact that my daughter has a referral. Do See, implied, not even implied, like explicit in the statement, Dr. Shu is referring. That's a referral. Isn't that, aren't those the words that I was using? Dr. Shu is referring her patients. That's a referral, right? Am I conjugating that verb properly? Word crimes? And then it turns out that all I had to do is say Anthem PPO and, and that conversation would have ended. Would have ended. So then we get to the... So, I mean, at this point, I... I'm secretly hoping that she's going to tell me she's new or something. I, I keep kind of waiting for that and it's not coming. And I, and I can't think of a way to ask if she knew without sounding like a total... Uh, Richard, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not. So then she asked me when I want to bring my daughter in. And I say, well, what have you got available? Because if I just tell, <laughs> right? Most doctors have these things called schedule and they're usually busy. And that's why I'm calling you to make an appointment. If it was up to me, I could just show up there. So I have to say to her, well, uh, what do you have available? And she says, well, Dr. Chow is only here uh, two days a week. And I say, okay, well, and I, I'm fairly certain I said this. I said, okay, well, let me know what you have available. I would prefer to bring my daughter um, in the morning. And she says, okay, well, uh, let's see. So she's really, she's really only here on Thursday afternoons. So how's 150 on Thursday, the such and such? Okay. This isn't supposed to be a game of Where's Waldo, but it's turned into one. This has turned into like Detective Dan time. Do you see the contradiction in what just happened? She's only here two days a week. She's only here Thursdays in the afternoon. Those two statements were almost completely back to back. So I say to her, well, I would prefer morning. Hey, didn't you say two days a week? It's just, oh, yeah, the doctor's here on Mondays as well. So I say, great, because I'd really like something in the morning. Oh, you'd like something in the morning? Yes. Yeah, I'd like something in the like as early in the morning as possible. My daughter's a student and in so in the morning, something early in the morning. Which I am assuming is going to be a Monday. So then she says, oh, "Okay, great. Oh, we'll tell you what. I've got 10:50 in the morning on Thursday the uh 13th." So at this point, I swear to God that I'm being punked. I cannot believe the conversation that I am having. And I say to her in the calmest voice that I can muster, excuse me, didn't you just say I'm that, okay, that <laughs> didn't you just say that she's only there? I'm so confused. Are you sure it's Thursday at 1050? Because 1050 
a.m. is in the morning, and you said that she's only there on Thursday afternoon. So do you mean Monday morning? Or what's... Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I guess she's here all day Thursdays. Yeah, she's she's here all day Thursdays, and then but just Monday mornings. I swear to the Lord, William Shatner, that if I cannot calm down between now and the time that we are to arrive for our appointment, I am going to strangle you until you turn blue. So I say to her, okay, do you, I'm just going to spoon feed this situation now. Uh, okay. Do you happen to have, I'm speaking very slowly in my best Midwestern newscaster voice. Do you have an available appointment on Monday the 24th of November? See, my daughter has that day off school, so I figure... Right, I can just make this super easy and I'll just say the 24th of November. And she says, yes. And I say, what time? And she says, 8.50. And I say, in the morning, just to be sure. And she says, yes. So I think that we have an appointment for the 24th of November in the morning, 10 minutes before 9 a.m. in the morning on that Monday in the morning. And then she says, have you ever been to, um, you know, one of these medical center brands or whatever, St. Mary's or whatever it is before? And I say, yes. And so she starts looking at my daughter's chart and she can't find it, of course, because why would she be able to find it? Because she only works in a doctor's office. Why would you expect her? To be able to just go into a computer that's networked with all the other offices in their little St. Mary's network, why would you expect that she could just tap on a few keys and suddenly uh, know the history of my daughter? Why would you be able to do that? So she asks me her name, and she asks me her last name, and she asks me again her date of birth, and she asks my date of birth, and my name, and my phone number, and my phone. So she finally finds it. And you'd think she had just hacked into freaking NASA. And then she wants to confirm my address. And she says, and are you still living on 59th Street in Westchester? And I say, no, we don't live on 59th Street in Westchester. We live on 79th Street in Westchester. And she says, oh, hmm. Okay. 59th Street in Westchester? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I live on 79th Street in Westchester. You see that? Because it says here 59th. Okay. But do you understand how that could be a typo? That I, being the homeowner, 15 years of writing my address on the upper left-hand corners of envelopes, 
I would be very clear on the fact that I live on 79th Street in Westchester and not 59th Street in Westchester. Can you please change the address? See, that's right. Change the address so it doesn't say 59th Street. It's a 79th Street because we don't live. There's probably not even a 59th Street. I don't even know. I've never heard of it. There's definitely a 79th Street. There's not a 59th Street, I don't think. I don't think it goes that. I think 59th Street would be at the mall. I don't live at the mall. So can you can you stop asking me if I live on 59th Street? I'm not sure. I'm just going to, I swear, we're just, listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. On Monday, the 24th of November, my daughter and I are going to drive down to Redondo Beach and we may or may not be seen by Dr. Chu or Chow or whatever her name is that isn't kind of a fun foot word. And honestly, shouldn't all doctors have a fun word associated? Everyone should have a name that, like they're a weatherman, like they're stormy weathers or whatever. You know, like Dr. Shu, like Joe Gardner. Don't you think just everyone might as well just f- go for it? And I should be like Davey Podcaster, right? Nikki Feed. I don't know, something like that. So, okay. So, I'm trying to think of what embarrassing story to tell next. Okay, so, so you know I'm an actor-ish, right? And by, and by actor, what I mean is I, I, I spend a lot of time hoping that I get an audition. So, let's just be very clear about that. Okay? So, one day I get an email or a call or however that works... I guess it was an email from my agent. Hooray, you have an audition. And it's for the part of, uh, I don't know, Carl or something. And I might as well name names because it doesn't matter. Because I want to put this in the perfect context. Yet you have an audition to be, uh, to audition for the role of Carl on the Disney Channel's program, Dog with a Blog. Now, my reaction to that news was twofold. Number one, yay, I have an audition. And number two, there's a television show called Dog with a Blog. Really? Yes, apparently there's a TV show on the Disney Channel about a dog that that maintains a blog. He's a very successful, probably one of the top canine bloggers in North America today. Now, how he's monetized the site, I don't know. I'm not sure they get into that, if it's all affiliate links or if he's with some kind of like dog network that gets him right ad placement. Like maybe there's some sort of, right, some sort of lower level mammal advertising network that's been put in place. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the money end of his blog. I just know that he's a... Very successful, uh, some sort of sheepdog slash blogger. And it's a very small part because, uh, I, because I'll, I'll go out for anything. You know what I'm saying? And Carl, I'm trying to think, Carl is like the normal neighbor of the wacky couple that owns the dog that maintains a blog. And I think the wacky couple is paranoid I don't even remember the premise. I'm going to admit it. It was a month ago. Okay. If I did this show more often, I it, this was would all be on the tip of my tongue. I don't remember. All I know is that it was Carl, the normal neighbor, 
That's what it was. And, and for some reason, they think that I stole their kielbasa. And I didn't. I didn't steal their kielbasa. My wife and I just happen to have a very similar kielbasa. And I'm too busy working on my remote control airplane to really be worrying about their kielbasa. Okay? I'm focused on my RC plane hobby and not their kielbasa. But there, there's some accusations thrown around. And then I do, I think, at one point lose control of my, not my kielbasa, my plane. My kielbasa is in complete control at all times. So that's the idea. That's the, that's the part. And there are a few lines. And, um, you know, you got to act wacky or whatever. So I go to the audition. And now, luckily, you know, it's during the day, so I don't have to get rid of kids or anything. And I drive up to Hollywood and I feel like there was some conflict that day. What was it? You know, that's true. I think we had some meeting at school or some. There's some something else going on where I was like, I've got to go. Because I have to audition for Dog on a Blog. Whatever. I Everything must be dropped. You don't understand. Society, <laughs> society must be advanced by my potential appearance. On a TV show about a dog that can type. So I go to the audition and it's up in Hollywood and I, I seem to remember being very, uh, oh, that's right. I was very early. But see, I live near LAX, Los Angeles International Airport, which is on the southwest part of Los Angeles, of what I will consider Los Angeles, like the part of Los Angeles you would go to to audition for something, for any, like that world. Okay, I live in, like at the airport, the big airport. Okay, Hollywood is east and north of there. You know where that is, right? Hollywood Hills, the Capitol Records building, the Chinese Theater, all that stuff. Well, by the time I leave, whatever this thing was that I had going on, I don't even remember. Okay, but something had to happen or... I don't even know. At the very least, I had to take my son to school. Maybe that's what it was. Anyway, I go into Hollywood. By the time I get to Hollywood, the good news is I'm early. Because I was very worried about being late. But I'm early. I'm early, which is awesome. The bad news is, really gotta pee. Okay? Really gotta pee. It's been an hour and a half that I've been in the car. Really gotta pee. Morning traffic, long time. Mm-mm-mm. Really gotta pee. And I know this is a reoccurring theme. Listen, I spend a lot of time in the car. I spend a lot of time drinking fluids in the car. I get bored in the car. I drink a lot of fluids. And then when I get to where I need to go, I have to pee. And that's fine. I think you should just accept, listen, we got to stop being so squeamish with things like nudity and uh, peeing and something. I'm sure there's something else. So my plan is, so I'm at this audition. It's at a place that I've never been before, but it's in a very neighborhoody slash um, semi, I don't know, it was just like one of those neighborhoods where you get there and you're like, oh, there's nowhere to pee around here. What am I going to do? So I get this plan in my head that I'm going to go to the library, which should be open by now at this time of the day. I'm going to go to the library in uh, Silver Lake. Because I'm that far east in, in Hollywood. It's very east Hollywood. Probably wasn't even really Hollywood anymore, honestly. It was probably downtownish. Okay. So I decided I'm going to scoot around and I'm going to go pee in the library. 
Okay, in Silver Lake, brand new, beautiful. Well, brand new. It's it's new since we left. I don't know. It could be 15 years old. I have no idea. But it's a really nice library. I've been there before. I'm gonna go over there. Right. That'll be sane. I won't have to go to some weird place or creepy place or pretend to buy something or whatever. I'll just go over there. So I drive over there and I'm going over my lines in my brain and it's a beautiful morning and I go over there. And when I get there, I realize... See, here's the thing. Okay, when I go to the library, I get very upset because they do this at the library. They used to do this at our library here in Westchester. And now they don't. And then they don't do it the other one we go to. But then there's one up near Hudson School in Mar Vista where they do this. And this this is lock the bathroom. Okay? At Mar Vista, they lock the bathroom. And what you have to do is go up to the librarian. Now, not the one even near the bathroom. You have to really want it. You have to go deep into the library to the other library, the reference desk. And then there they have a big, huge plastic thing attached to the key. And there's a big blue one and a big pink one. So you have to go all, you have to really want it. And then you got to go get the key. The key is never there. But in theory, if the key was there, you would go get the key. So now a bathroom that is made to uh, facilitate three people, four people at a time is now facilitating one person at a time because only one person can get the one key, right? And it drives me crazy. Again, because I always have to pee when I'm at that library because I've been driving when I'm at that library. And I know we're going to talk about pee for a second and then we'll go back to dog with a blog. Trust me. So I get to Silver Lake and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really have to pee. Okay. I'm not going to get any more graphic than that. But let's just say I don't actually have to pee. It's been a long drive and it's in the morning. It's late morning. It's just past 10 in the morning. And I go into the Silver Silver Lake Library, and as I'm parking my car and going up into the library, I'm thinking to myself, I hope they don't have a key, because I really just want to go straight into the bathroom, right? And use the facility, so then I can relax and be ready for dog on a blog. And as I go in there, I open the door, and I realize they don't have a key. You can just walk right in. And then I realize why they lock the bathrooms in Mar Vista. And it's because if you don't lock the bathroom at the public library, a homeless person will make it their apartment. So there is a person living, sleeping, stinking, probably crapping, ironically, probably crapping themselves in the stall at the Silver Lake Library. So I've now driven from wherever this audition was in Hollywood slash downtown, I don't even know, dog on a blog. I've driven from dog on a blog all the way around to Silver Lake to go into the stall at the restroom and there's a guy in there and that's his pad. Look, I took care of it. I went to Walgreens, okay? If you can find a Walgreens, you're fine. I'll just tell you that right now. I know I, this is becoming kind of a George Costanza podcast, I realize. But if you find a Walgreens, then you're fine. And the truth is, here in Los Angeles, finding a Walgreens, not that tough. And I've said this before. During the financial collapse of 2008, 
when everything was going under, Walgreens and Chase Bank took over every, all of L.A. Everywhere in Los Angeles now. All your old favorite haunts. All those uh, coffee houses and nightclubs you used to go to. Or those little dive bars. Little, they're all now Walgreens and Chase Bank. Have you ever seen the movie Swingers? You know Swingers? John Favreau and... Uh, and uh, oh, Gary's friend. What's his name? Come on. Vince Vaughn. Okay, Vince Vaughn. Um, you know that movie? And at the end, they all swing dance at the Derby. The Derby, you know what the Derby is now? Yeah, Chase Bank. Okay, case closed. Thank you. So what were we talking about? Dog on a blog. Okay, so this is weird and embarrassing. And, and, and it wasn't embarrassing at the time, but it was actually completely embarrassing at the time. So, so now I'm relaxed and I go to dog on a blog, right? And I'm still a little early. And that's fine. And I go back over my lines and I'm, I'm going to nail Carl. Right, so it's time to go in. And I lock my car. And I have to go from where I am. Just, I have to, it's kind of residential right there. And I just have to turn this little corner and then go in. There's a little gate on the next side street. And as I do that, there's another, you know, white middle aged dude doing exactly the same thing from the opposite direction. Okay? And so we sort of make eye contact like, hey, middle-aged white guy who's going, obviously, to dog on a blog. What's up, brother? You know? Now, as we're making this eye contact and we're giving each other the chin nod, there's an alarm going off in the building across the street on this corner. And I look and this, the, there's a gate, you know, there's like a gate and there's this alarm going off. Ring, 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 right at this alarm. And there's a sign that says something like, yada, yada, I don't even remember, like children's uh, emergent care or ch- b- b- prenatal baby, th- I don't know, some sort of baby hospital or baby loony bin or baby, there's some baby thing going on right there, okay? And as this alarm is going off, there are these four women wheeling out like cribs out this back gate. And the cribs have plexiglass, you know, the crib part that your kid would reach through, you know what I mean? Like if you were at their crib and they were like, whatever, and they would like reach through the bars, the bars had plexiglass around them. So they sort of look like baby terrariums. And there are these four women pushing these two wheeled baby terrariums out onto the sidewalk and just kind of down the street. And the other white guy and I are like, should we say something? There's an alarm. Nobody's in a uniform. Now, nobody's in a hurry. They all look very relaxed. But why is there a big, huge alarm going off? And four ladies clearly stealing two babies. Are they stealing these babies? Because I don't think these babies are going to survive if they're outside of whatever that thing is. You're wheeling them around in a freaking terrarium. They should probably be inside the building. Now, hopefully they were taken out because that alarm was sounding because I wouldn't want to be in the building when the alarm was sounding. So, so that's my rationalization. My rationalization is that the alarm was not sounding because the babies were being taken, but rather the babies were being taken out because the alarm was sounding. Will that get me into heaven? So the dude and I go, we find the audition. And we sign in, we got to fill out this thing or whatever. And um, 
he went in first and he did his thing and then another guy came in and then whatever. So then I go in. And now when he's in there, I can hear everybody laughing. They're all laughing it up. And he, I don't think he's even started the audition and they're already laughing. Okay? And I don't know how people do. I've been auditioning. And, and I think this is why I have no career. I'm being really honest with you. I think the reason I have no real career is this. I am so polite or because it isn't really nerves. It's this weird middle class semi-corporate politeness that I have going into someone's office. You're supposed to behave yourself. And I don't I don't know where I got that, but I am so well, quote unquote, well behaved when I go in these auditions because they're in an office. And and so what happens is I, so I go in. And like, hey, Dan, you know, come on in, blah, blah. Do you have a headshot? Yes, I do, whatever, whatever. And then they're like, hey, how are you? And I usually say something like, hey, I'm fine. What you're supposed to say is they say, how are you? And then you're supposed to be funny if it's a comedy or at least ingratiating and seem like a professional, like someone everyone would want to hang out with. But they say, how are you or what's going on? And I say, oh, not much. Now, meanwhile, the guys before me and after, they're, they're scatting. They're doing stand-up comedy. They're doing improv, magic tricks, pulling rabbits out of their hats. They're doing gymnastics, right? All that stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Like I'm five. Like I'm a trained five-year-old at church. And I need to get over that because I really think, honestly, among other things, like my bald head and my crippling lack of talent, I think that might be a really a major issue in my the success of my career my acting career i'm not sociable i'm a nervous wreck i think i might have right could you diagnose me as some sort of a what is that a social anxiety disorder or something do you understand what i mean like i know deep down like if i were coaching you if i was your acting coach i'd be like you got to go in there and really you know you got to charm them so have a story so when they say hey how you doing go ah joke right that's what you do so I go in, they say, hey, how are you? I say, fine, thank you. How are you? I'm polite and well-behaved, boy. And then they say, okay, we'll do your thing. And I do my thing. And, and they say, ah, oh, that was great. I really like the thing. Okay, do it again, but do it a little bit like this. And I'm like, yeah, here you go, just like that. And they're like, yeah, that was great. And I'm like, bye. So I leave, okay? Now, when you do that, that's such a surreal thing to go into an office and be like, I'm acting and you're just sitting there staring at me, right? That's an adrenaline thing, okay? And the key to the whole operation is using the adrenaline and not letting it kind of mess you up, okay? But when you're done, you still have adrenaline. Now, so what I always seem to do is I go in the audition, I do my thing, the adrenaline is there, it's doing whatever it does, I leave... And then 20 minutes later, I go into some post-audition depression because the adrenaline leaves your body, right? So this is what happens. And this has never, <laughs> never happened to me before. And this, and as I tell you this, this is going to take like, I don't know how long to tell. Oh, wait, I got to plug in my computer. Oh, shit. Where's the power strip? Ah. I know I saw it. All right, I got to pause. Hold on. Okay, so. I do the audition. Again, adrenaline rush, right? It's under control. Don't get me wrong. Now, everything I'm about to say, it took probably two seconds. 
but an almost infinite number of things feel, felt like they happened. So I'm walking out the door and I say to the assistant casting director, hey, I really like your glasses as I'm leaving because I really did like her glasses because she wears glasses and I like them because I wear glasses and I have to notice those things, right? Now, I cross the threshold. My brain says, don't forget your briefcase. Okay, so... I turn and look, and I try to look under the chair where my briefcase would be. But someone's sitting in that chair. So, I sit next to them, and I try to look under their chair. And then I stop looking under the chair, and I turn to them, and I stick out my hand, and I go, Hey, Wayne, we met at Charlie's house a couple of New Year's uh, days ago. And so, so what has happened is, so I've come out of the office. This is what it appears like. I walk out of this audition. There are three guys waiting. I start staring at one of their asses as they're sitting and waiting. Then I sit next to him. And it's Wayne Fetterman. Do you know Wayne Fetterman? Wayne Fetterman's a writer and a comedian. I think he used to write for The Tonight Show or maybe he writes for an hour. Maybe he wrote for Jimmy... Uh, Fallon before one of the gym. He wrote for one of the Jimmy. I don't know. Anyway, he's Fetterman. He's he's an omnipresent comedian who's much better known than I am. Uh, do you know Maria Bamford? He played the keyboards on Maria Bamford's uh, that comedy special she did at her house. Okay, Fetterman, Wayne Fetterman, and I don't really know Fetterman, but we've met a couple times. So in a split second, I I walk out. I look for my bag. I don't see my bag. I see Wayne Fetterman's ass. I sit down because he's got this look on his face like, why are you looking at my ass? And I'm like, hey, Wayne, we met at Charlie's house a couple years ago. I'm not looking at your ass. I'm looking for my briefcase. And he's like, ha ha ha. I'm about to go in an audition for Dog with a Blog. Why are you acting so weird and crowding my personal space? I don't even know you. But he doesn't say that. He just says, oh, okay. And so I look again for my briefcase. And Fetterman's like, did you find it? And then I say to Fetterman, and again, I'm like two inches away from him. You know what? Uh, I don't think I brought my briefcase in. Ha ha ha. And so I stand up and I throw a couple more jokes out at the room and Fetterman. And I leave. What made me walk out of the room and then immediately start a, seemingly accosting Wayne Fetterman? Because to him, it was just like a split second, like the door opens, and then there's a guy next to him shaking his hand, and then the guy's looking at his butt again, and then the guy's standing up, and then this guy's like, ha, 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 and then the guy leaves. So I'm walking away going, wow, that was weird. And I really hope it's true that I didn't bring in my briefcase because I really can't leave my briefcase in there, but I didn't take it in. I just took in a, the headshot in the script. The briefcase is in my, in my car. And so I'm sitting in my car and I'm checking my email and I'm about ready to pull out and I see Fetterman has left the building. Now I have this fantasy then in this brief moment, like this is all going to be spare because Fetterman's going to remember that we met at Charlie's and maybe he'll even put together that we met a long time ago at the improv. And one of those things, you're at that desperate point in your career, whatever, like you just want validation from anyone. You know what I mean? Like you want to you want to feel like you're in with the people that you think are the in crowd. And I remember hanging out with Fetterman and a couple of friends of mine that were friends with Fetterman. And him saying, oh, yeah, I saw you uh, a couple of months ago at, at Luna Park. You did that bit 
about um, the villain wheel. And I used to do this bit where um, I guess people were pro- this is this is how long ago this was. People were protesting uh, protesting um, basic instinct because uh, members of the gay and lesbian community thought it was bad that uh, the villainess was portrayed as bisexual or something. And the bit was uh, that you know Hollywood just pumps out scripts and they have a villain wheel. And they spin the villain wheel, and every once in a while, you know what? It's going to land on you. And that was the bit. And the, and honestly, the bit was, more often than not, actually, it's a guy that looks like me. It's not a lesbian. It's a white guy of German extraction who is the villain, Hans Gruber. You know what I mean? So that was the bit. And he had said, oh, yeah, you did that bit about the villain wheel. When I was on Bill Maher's show a couple months ago, uh, we were having a conversation, and I thought of that bit, and I was going to bring it up, but I, uh, you know, it wasn't my bit, so blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, my God, Wayne Fetterman, he almost talked about my bit with Bill Maher, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago. So so today, flash forward to, you know, whenever this dog on a blog thing was, Fetterman's kind of walking towards my car. I'm like, oh, maybe he's going to say hi to me and go, hey, I remember you from Charlie's. You're, yeah, and, I, uh, uh, and you used to hang out with Bean Miller or whatever. Uh, uh, no. No, he was just walking by my car because he, he left something in his car. And I'm like... <laughs> Bye, Wayne. Okay. Why did I... Why? Why? Why couldn't I have just been cooler? Was it because the room was too small? I had to sit next to him and, and then shake... Like, within a split second, I'm shaking this poor guy's hand. He's trying to get ready to audition for Dog on a Blog. Which, by the way, I did not get the part on Dog on a Blog. And I don't know who did. I should look it up. I think the guy's name was Carl. How long have we been babbling like this? Oh my God. A long time. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap it up with this brief story. So, um, a year ago, September 20th, uh, we shot a short film called The Quota. And by we, I mean Jim Cush. You know Cush? From Cush Things I Say. Directed a short that I was in with Jenica Berger and Susan Rattan from LA Law. That's true. Uh, called the quota that he wrote and also directed. Okay. So then the 19th of October this year was the big world premiere screening at LA Screen Fest. Right? So I feel like I'm going to rush this, but oh well, there's really not that much to tell. So I can't get anyone in my family to go with me because it's on a Sunday night. The screening starts at 9. So that rules out Hudson because it's just we're going to be out too late and he's got school on Mondays, right? Obviously. And my wife won't go because it's a horror festival and she doesn't want to watch a horror film. And I kind of get it. I don't blame her. So I go to L.A. Scream Fest by myself. And I'm standing around, I'm standing around, and I can't find it. And I'm like, now I understand why people travel with an entourage. Because there are just some situations you don't want to be standing around by yourself. So I'm standing around and I'm looking for anyone, anyone from the crew, the cast, Kush, I don't, I don't, I don't care. So finally, I see Susan Rattan, Rattan, right? You know, from LA Law, Roxy from LA Law, old people. So luckily, Susan is a very nice person. And Susan says that I can borrow her entourage. She's brought two or three people, so I can kind of, right, we can share. 
there can be like a little subset of her entourage that can be my entourage. So now I'm not alone because I'm with Susan and her two friends and her son. Okay. So that works out great. But I still can't find Jim. I can't find Kush. Susan Rattan can find Kush. She goes and finds Kush. And I'm useless at the screening of, of the quota. So I thought I might see my friend Scott because Scott, Scott, my friend Scott Mercer. So Scott is there at a screening before the quota because and I, it's some movie about making a movie, but it's a documentary, but it maybe isn't a documentary about making a movie. And for some reason, Frank Conniff is going to be there for Mystery Science Theater 3000 or 2000 or whatever the heck it was. So he goes to the thing that Frank is going to be at, Frank Conniff, and I'm thinking, hey, maybe I'll see Scott. So we're waiting to go and actually get our picture taken in front of the, you know, at a film festival and all the glamorous people, they have their picture taken in front of the, they call it a step and repeat. It's a background that has all the logos on it. And you get your picture taken. I've never done that before. My whole life. I've never done that. So we're waiting to do that. I'm actually going to do that. I'm actually going to get my picture taken on one of those like red carpet things. I've never done that before. And I see Scott and Scott's like, hey, Dan, yeah, I'm going to stay for your thing. And I'm like, Scott, it's so good to see you, but I have to actually, I'm going to go get, I'm going to get my picture taken on the step and repeat. So I go get my picture taken with Cush and, and Susan on the step and repeat, the, the, uh, in front of the step and repeat, on the red carpet. Now, the red carpet's about five feet long. It's just a tiny little thing. It's about the size of my shower. That's okay. It still works, right? So we go into the screening. I've got a suit on because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, right? I've got no tie, but I think I have a suit on. Yeah. What shirt was I wearing? I don't even remember. No, I have jeans. That's what it was. I have a jeans and my suit jacket and a shirt, some kind of shirt. I didn't want to wear slacks, you know. But because I'm worried about getting hungry, I've brought with me one of my protein bars. And it's not the usual because I usually have, they're all chocolate all the time, right? Well, this is a different one that I've started eating that's peanut butter only or peanut only or whatever. So the outside of it is white, like an off-white. It's not chocolate. But I have one of those. They're easy to eat when I get my hypoglycemic thing going, right? So I have that in, in the jacket of my coat, my uh, suit coat, right? So Jim is there and Susan and the whole bunch of people from the crew, the producers or whatever, we're all there. We're all having a great time. We see the screening. The screening is great. The film goes over great. There was another film there that was just unbelievably fantastic. One film there that I didn't get sort of like i get it the makeup's gross why is this 20 minutes oh my god just kill the thing we saw some uh bare nipples we saw some mexican guys uh turn into zombies it was great it was really great a lot of fun jim did q a a couple times that was great but during the screening i did get hungry and so i got out my peanut bar thing and what I usually do is I usually break it in half and I eat it half at a time because I don't need to eat the whole thing. So I break it in half and it's in the darkness. Okay. But I can mime around. I can feel around and I break it in half and I get half of it out and I eat it and I feel better. And the Q&A happens or whatever. I put the rest of it back in my jacket. And then we all get ready and we leave. And 
Jim, because he's a normal person with no kids, is like, hey, come on, let's go out for drinks and we'll uh, hang out or whatever for a while. And we're like, oh, okay, well, we'll meet outside because everybody's kind of filing out. And Scott's there. And Scott says he wants to talk to me about something. He wants to give me something. So Scott and I go out first. Jim gets hung up probably chit-chatting with someone because he's a director, right? So Scott and I are chatting and I'm getting a little chilly and I put on my coat, my suit coat. And he says, what's on your jacket? And I say, I don't know. And he says, it looks white. And I say, oh, no. What I have done in my haste to eat the peanut bar during the Q&A where the house lights were down. I See, it was in my jacket for two hours. And my jacket was on my knee for two hours. So it half melted for two hours. And then I took it out and I broke it in half and I pulled half of it out and I ate it. And then apparently wiped my hands unknowingly all over my suit jacket. So just as I'm making this realization, Kush and his entourage come out and say, let's go for drinks. And it's 1130 at night and my suit jacket. And that's the look, the look without the suit jacket. I'm just a moron in jeans. The suit jacket was making it look like I had something going on, but I can't wear the suit jacket because I've smeared cliff bar all over the shoulders. And it's not just on one side. It's not just a little thing. Maybe I can lick my thumb and rub it. No, it's all over the jacket. Why? Why must these things happen? Why? Why can't I just go to a screening and be a star and be an actor and, and just hobnob and be normal like other actors and meet everybody? No, I have to smear candy all over. Why? Is it because I have a podcast? That's it for the bitterest pill this time. What episode was this? I don't know, 320-something. I don't know. It's been 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. That's all I'll say. Uh, to those of you who still listen, thank you. To those of you who don't listen, thank you for having listened. You know what I mean? I think the people that that still don't li- don't. How do I put this? Thank you to the people that used to listen and don't anymore. And thank you to the people that still listen. And thank you to the people from the future. Who might listen in the future. I don't know who you are, but anyway, I future thank you. So it's three o'clock. I got to get my daughter soon. Um, so look, I hope you're doing well. 10 years. Um, we'll see if I keep doing this. I don't know if I can stand the sound of this computer anymore. It's the fan. I got to switch over to my, okay. Anyway, babble, babble, babble. So listen, uh, as always, uh, this is the bitterest pill.com or, uh, What's my email address? I guess it's dk at thebitterspill.com. No, 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 no. dk at danclass.com. Yes, because I am Dan Class, and that is me. And that's my brand. What's my brand? I don't know. Dan Class, that's my brand. Um, so, yeah, thanks for downloading. Hopefully, uh, you'll hear from me soon, because I'm sure something annoying will happen probably within the next 20 minutes. And then we can talk about that then. Okay? 
Uh, I will let you know when uh, else you can see the quota. I have no idea. Uh, and that is that. All right. Peace out. LA podcasters rule. Uh, thank you from the airport. Bye-bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's...